Welcome back to the all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast. When you're on the toilet and you have that constipated shit, yeah, you push it. Yeah, you push it. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Massive news. Apart from my dietary requirements needing to change, Download Festival has been announced like they promised they would. And uh, we're going to discuss that lineup here tonight's episode. Yeah, some exciting news. I mean, first we thought it was uh, just all rumors and wishes and make-believes. And then Download released their, I guess, flyer or promo picture. And they misspelled Melbourne, which I made a joke saying, there's no you in Melbourne, there's no you at Soundwave. <laughs> Still works. And there's going to be no you in the festivals, and that's what we expected. Yeah, but then no, no truth be told, and they released the uh, festival, and then only recently they released the lineup this uh, week. And we'll discuss that later on, but also we're going to be talking about Butcher Babies. They also have an album out called Lilith. 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 Lilith, Lilith yeah. yeah. Apparently, I don't know how to uh, pronounce eyes properly, but that's okay. I'll work on that for next week's show just in case they release the album again. Uh, we're just going to give our thoughts and, and feelings on that album as well, give a good thorough review of the whole 11 tracker. But more importantly, Danny, I'm pretty excited, so let's go straight up into the news. And straight off the bat, we are talking about Dream Theatres or Extreme Theatre. My ad, Mike Portnoy, he does feature on the show now and then, doesn't like playing in the smaller venues, Danny. Does it remind him of his small wang? <laughs> yeah, there's not really much elaboration on it. It's just like, it's a, an interview based on his Shattered Fortress because I think he's touring Australia soon with it where he's pretty much going to play Dream Theater songs because he's really desperately wanting to but not wanting to get back in that band. <laughs> depends, depends what article you read. And then, yeah, so maybe the whole issue with small venues is like loading in his massive drum kit. Maybe that's his issue. You know? Yeah, if there's more toms than people at your gig, you might want to rethink your whole entire evaluation. And like you were saying, Danny, maybe not playing to... Uh, to venues like he used to in front of those people that he feels like he might deserve after all the hard work he's put in to the band. Yeah, that's fair, but but maybe he's uh, yeah, maybe he's like doing the whole uh, you know kicking a f- hissy like you know Dream Theater doesn't play in small <laughs> venues, but Dream Theater play in front of fifteen thousand people. I would have played in front of like dude, you've only sold three thousand tickets to the Shattered Fortress, and like the Governor Highmarsh can only hold in so many people. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what is small as well? I don't understand what small... What, what's his definition of small? Yeah, what is a small mm. venue? Because then Adelaide, like, if you're playing in front of, you know, any more than a thousand people, like, that's pretty good. But for a lot of other places, like in Japan, I'd imagine that'd be like a, a big room or a beer garden in Germany. So uh. I don't really understand. I'm guessing it's like local bands, maybe playing in front of, like, you know, your parents and your best mate. Yeah, so yeah, most local bands, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have any mates in Dream Theater, does he, Dan? Oh, a sick burn. Rob Zombie, guitarist. Uh, John Five on Soli Career. I'm doing this for the love of guitar. Um, having friends pick you up, basically, uh, when you've got a flat tire, especially ones that are in Kiss and Rob Zombie, must be something that would be a surreal experience for certain people out there. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know if you really want to rely on rock stars to be your like point of call if you're in an emergency, because I don't really think they keep like track of time well and I think they're like mostly done up with drugs and stuff that yeah. if you need him to like come quickly that you, nah man just give like, like an hour I, right. I would I would assume that if you are playing in Rob Zombie you can afford things like insurance friends to pick you up regardless and uh, yeah like you know buying a car that has self-inflating tires or something so I don't think there is any problems like that where 
you need to call like someone at two o'clock in the morning to hide a dead body. Or maybe you do. This no, is rock stars. Yeah, they need help with that. It's, it's yeah. hard. Have you ever tried to pick up a dead body? It weighs a lot and they're like limps. It's hard. Oh, anyway. Yeah, I'd imagine they have a few uh, dead uh, prostitutes maybe and just that. Is there like a river nearby? Like maybe all these rock stars live nearby, like, you know, with concrete factories and, and uh, you know, dams and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like got, got good fellas? You bring the lime. You're digging the hole. You're digging the hole. <laughs> uh, Team Rock. Uh, we're sorry, Daniel, to announce it. We're just going to cover this quickly. Why Behemoth the Satanist was one of the best albums of the century. Look, right after Demigod and Zia Decudis, this is a pretty good album. So it's not so bad. And you're just like living that response to like one band. <laughs> <laughs> but all the other, yeah, I don't know. People really love the Satanist album. I really have to like, again, listen to it more. You do. And so do I. And I actually read the interview and one thing came to mind and I could never be able to pick it. Now, and this should be a given, the change of the sound. Because when Behemoth first started, they were actually a black metal band, but they had this death metal influence come in. But they did a tour with Whitehand and a few other black metal bands. And after coming off it, and also with a little leukemia and stuff, so it was in a darker place, maybe not being able to think about Shred at that kind of tempo. Maybe black metal is just a part of who he really is because the album The Satanist is a, a departure from his death metal roots. So maybe we should be thinking more white hand and less The Cancer for being the greatest metal album of all time. Ah, uh, uh, it's more like an influence, man. Yeah, I think it's yeah. more like an influence. But again, you know, let's not forget that the best way to write music is to rip off other artists yeah. and uh, by coincidence he returned to a more black metal influence by playing with black metal bands tour that's why maybe that septic flesh album is so good because they toured with flesh got apocalypse and flesh got apocalypse are no laughing matter when we saw septic flesh we we're like ah we don't get it tour with flesh god one of the best albums of 2017 maybe even 18 maybe this will just transcend time and just keep carrying over yeah, yeah maybe yeah, but, <laughs> but uh, I, it, that, that's the most sarcastic. Maybe you're full of shit, Matt, but uh, continue on at the course. Super Metal Brother, I, I think you just like learned the new word transcending this week. And you had like put it in the sentence. So where, where can I put <laughs> this? of the day? <laughs> i got a calendar mm, too, man. Photosynthesis. Yes, quiet. Um, Gear Gods. They've been talking about a lot. They've actually had a couple of articles come through in the first one. Five Wawa pedals at the same time. Can't believe it. When you put five Wawa pedals together and have your missus obviously step on the pedals with you while running through a fender or whatever guitar of your choice it's really really not that impressive Danny no it's it's really bad it just sounds like you're like trying to speak through water or something yeah like one of them it does enough to just kind of give you that flavor but with too much flavor I mean it's just can someone have too much strawberry on their strawberry shortcake yeah. yeah, they and can. It, yeah, in this case, you can. So th- this is just ridiculous. It, you can't hear nothing. It's just, it sounds like when you just you don't know how to play a song and you use the Wawa and it yeah. has that like bullshit sound. That's what this was kind of like. That's right. And then they go on in the next article to show how you can make a $75 guitar sound pretty badass. So uh, more of that and less of the Wawa, I reckon. That $75 guitar includes the case. So that is a bug. Apparently, the guys from Gear Gods bought off Amazon, and that's literally the cheapest brand new guitar you can buy. Yeah, seventy-five dollars, including all six strings as yeah. well. and he mm. would, and the guy there would recommend it that he would give it to a loved one of a certain kind who's beginner, and that's about it. Maybe someone that's starting up, twelve years of age, not thirteen. That they, they can obviously afford a eighty-five dollar guitar. So you would probably not want to do that. Yeah, exactly right. People, especially kids these days, they can know how to research stuff like this. So, right. mm, yeah. more guitars and less guitar hero. You know, you don't want to be practicing something that makes those buttons. Just practice guitar. You can do it in no time, and might even get laid. Guitar hero is not going to get you laid. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe. It's the same price. Guitar here is 75 bucks. Real guitar is 75 bucks. Yeah. At least this time, I mean, you might make about the same amount of money, but just imagine all the lady in your life, or male, I don't know, you, you know, we, we're in 2017 after all. You know, what can happen in the future? $75 profit, you might get it back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stick, stick to covers. Stick to and covers. you're still playing metal yeah. and you're still living in your mum's basement. No, stick to covers. You get your money back if you cover songs. Maybe that's just my sad life. Uh, we're going to talk about Dave Ellefersen. Ellefersen. Ellefersen? Dave from Megadeth explains why Chris Adler didn't stay in Megadeth. And uh, there was basically a discussion at one point because Chris Adler is a drummer for Lamb of God right now. And maybe he was going to be taking some time off, but Lamb of God is just too popular a band. He couldn't commit to it. So guess what name they, he does drop for them to get instead? Oh, man, I'll edge my seat, man. Go on. Dirk. Mother effing Vermeulen. That's right. The drummer they have right now is actually the drummer that Chris Adler recommended. What a bromance going on to, to drop a name like that, give him such an elusive job. And especially now that Lamb of God are actually on hiatus, uh, he'll be loving his life right now, making us some serious quid. Yeah, but maybe he's like, uh, like you know when you're like an agent for like a football team or something, you get like commission for signing fee bonus. So maybe oh. Chris Adler gets like a, a Dirk Buell like agency fee. So hey, Dirk, I gave you that job. You owe yeah. me 10% of he your income. You got 10% by having a two-minute conversation with uh, the guy from, uh, I guess it'd be Dave Mustang from Megadeth, I'd imagine. But uh, what a way to earn some money though, Danny. Yeah, no, good work. Hey, good work for Dirk. Good, good, good paycheck there. And let me go. They're, they're doing all right. Yeah, they're doing all right. Even with a break, I mean, they're still going to be doing well. They bounced back from that catastrophic injury that hit them with the whole uh, guy claiming that he was um, injured at a, a Lamb of God concert or he's uh, even there. Permanent injury, man. Permanent injury, death, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they came back and they bounced from that from really fast. So yeah. that's pretty cool. D. Snyder, our front man from Twisted Sister, at one point looked like a front woman. Yeah. But um, yeah, but big shoulders like I mean Taylor Dane had big shoulders, but she had yeah. shoulder pads. But yeah. D Snyder, all, all D, all D, pretty much. Uh, D Snyder from Twisted Sister won't insult fans by coming back from retirement. Imagine how much money and angry fans that you can have though by coming back three or four times, thirteen times. Just ask Kiss, maybe even John Farnham. Yeah, there's a couple of others out there yeah. that have just come back all the time after time. I mean, he even threw uh, Ozzy Osbourne under the, under the bus with the year no more tour shirts. That's uh you know, they've come out, but now he, again, Ozzy Osbourne has come out again and say, announced that he's going into retirement. Although this one is a little bit more plausible seeing what happened with Black Sabbath. Yeah, I think age is finally the, the key element of this factor. But you're right, all these other bands, like, I remember John Farnham here in Australia was massive because he was like the first guy to say, that's it, I'm doing a final tour. And it was like kind of the final, first final tour ever dealt with. And it was massive, ticket price was stupid, blah, blah, blah. And like literally like two or three years later, I am. Um, I'm coming back again. What a return gig. Oh. Return for my final tour of two-year holiday. Uh, we can do so that more with that money that your fans have got there right now. But going with um, D. Snyder, he says Scorpions had a three-year farewell tour. So their farewell tour cycle was three years. And after that, they're like, no, nah, no, we're, we're going to keep I reckon it's a two-world cycle. I reckon they would have come back to certain countries again just to uh, further milk that cash cow. And speaking of that, with Ozzy Osbourne announcing his as well, no one could be more sadder than uh, I'd imagine Sharon Osborne. Her uh, milking of the cow has come to an end as well, I'd imagine. But, I mean, how much more money do you possibly need or want? I mean, I think, yeah, nah. Yeah, it doesn't, they, they could buy an island off of uh, Hawaii or maybe even Hawaii itself right now. It's hard to say. Bruce Dickinson, though, is another frontman from another famous band that uh, we've mentioned quite a lot here on the show, says that he wanted to have Ronnie James Dio, not Jeff Tate, on the three tenors. Danny, what is the three tenors? Uh, three tremors, man. Tremors, sorry. Three te- the three yeah. tenors are those three overweight yet incredibly successful Italian opera singers 
who are now probably dead from diabetes. But who two are, are the, two are dead. One's two are dead. Yeah, well, yeah. one's actually living yeah. pasta. The thin one, Matt. There you go. There see, you go. Yeah, see yeah. exactly. <laughs> don't eat, don't eat too much pasta, everybody. That's our word of the day. But the three tremors, Danny. What's yeah. the three tremors? Well, apparently, Bruce Dixon in two thousand wanted to form a super group of singers. Apparently, mm. where it was himself, Rob Halford, and Ronnie James Dio. So pretty decent, pretty decent. But unfortunately, management or higher ups, no, no, no. Uh, Jeff Tate's the man. Dio's too old, which is too old nonsense. Because in 2000, he's probably still would have been early 50s, I think. Which yeah. is not that's nothing, you know. No, so yeah. he was he was at his peak. I mean, towards very close to his death. Yeah, he was missing some of that higher range, but still giving a great performance and very charismatic on stage as well. Even then, he could still been on stage with those guys, and the tickets would have sold. I mean, Dio was. And maybe even to this day, he still is one of the pioneers of that style of genre and one of the godfathers are from it. So yeah. it well, didn't make... I don't know. It's, it's this marketing decision. Who have, people have no idea of the industry, but in a higher up position to make those big calls. Yeah, we'll end up... This Three Tremors project is just successful as my footballing career, as in it never started and never happened. So Yeah. 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 All right, Lincoln Park uh, with uh, Chester Bennington's reaction where label with Mike Shinoda got fired. Uh, just a quick shout out again, like all these cool stories are coming out with Chester. Um, basically, he, the label said to fire the uh, rapper slash guitarist from the band and he told them to go F themselves. Uh, royalty. I mean, like, you know, some people wouldn't have missed him too much, maybe even myself, but bros before the hose from the higher ups. Yeah, no, that's great. It's, I mean, he called their bluff because in the end, I guess when you're the lead singer of a band and if you're telling management, no, go screw yourself, I want him there. Well, what's management going to do? That's right. And speaking about people who don't bluff anymore, Maynard James Keenan, the guy from Tool and a Perfect Circle, but Perfect Circle had a gig. And guess what? People decided to take films and photos of the gig. And at James's show, there are no photos. So no. what happened to those 60 people that decided to do that, Danny? Well, they um, decided to get an early bedtime and yeah. they got kicked out. Exactly. They voluntarily, apparently, or maybe by force, we don't know, were ejected from the show. Yeah. I mean, he actually, uh, they put up, I think, on the, um, the screen before it started, okay, no photos or video allowed during our performance. Hey, that's a legit threat. Any, anyone who was caught doing it was actually kicked out of the venue. And his response? No recording of... Any kind for 25 years. And those full stops were there intentionally. They are full stops. Guided experience, he reckons. Unplug and enjoy the ride. So if you wanted to take a little photo, make a little Snapchat memory, put it in your uh, Facebook folder for your you know, good feels, not going to happen, Danny. Yeah, that's it's actually funny because I was reading someone's comments on there and he goes, like, James Maynard, it's all about like, you know, non-authoritarian and, you know, power to the people yet you know he's telling you how you're supposed to behave at concerts like, well that's actually an interesting point you know? yeah exactly like you can do whatever you want just as long as it doesn't oppose my values and what my direction is and i mean coming from tools next album which could be anywhere from 10 to 15 years from this day that's uh, apparently gonna be album of the year um good for my may not i guess you know that's his uh prerogative and your fans are feeding his ego like that so uh yeah en- enjoy your enjoy your show from back in your house i mean you could always watch it on youtube but now i guess you can't because none of your friends can take the yeah. gig yeah you know who the real tour is here don't you matt hey hey ah kill switch engage working on a cover for wwe and a new song for another promotion now Back in the day, they did CM Punk song, and it was so good they decided to even replicate the song live. When we saw them here in Adelaide, they were playing that exact song. It's a good ass song. Apparently, almost broke up the band. I mean, 
I don't know why. Then I thought about it. I'm like, oh, it was a metal song. And lately the band isn't exactly into the whole being brutal and everything right now, Danny. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, no. The, the, last, the last album was, was pretty average. Uh, <laughs> one good song, like track I would have killed for those CM Punk songs on that uh, album. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I didn't think about it. Believe me. I've listened to that. Um, what we want to talk about though, who do you think in the wrestling, what did they do in a cover song for? Oh, look, I really don't know. I've, me and wrestling has kind of departed ways. You yeah. know, it used to be cool, man. Back in the day, back when I was around, it was great. Now it's just... Yeah, sad. of course. And that's not just nostalgia speaking. This is the Attitude Era. I mean, we had everything from like boobs and like Sable and like the beer getting sprayed on people and getting yeah. fed to under, you know, underage kids. Obviously, some of that spray would have hit some of those people in the audience, I'd imagine. Cars getting blown up and stuff. Yeah, cars getting blown yeah. up. Wien is getting cut off. And now you've got John Cena. I mean, yeah, talking what? and talking and talking and <laughs> yeah. talking. Then a scoop slam and more talking. Yeah. yeah, enjoy your three hours of nothing on Raw. So I really don't know who's like really heavy or hard anymore. I think, I don't know. It's probably going to be one of those small promotions. We'll wrap it up with a couple more stories. Um, we've got the uh, first transgender US state official, uh, metal vocalist Danica Rome. Not a man, she's a woman. He's a woman now. So that makes it a she. Now, a lot of people are making, like Randy Blythe, saying it's really cool that um, we've got a woman that was a man, but now a woman being a senator, I guess it is. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I, again, it's, it's, for me, it's like, who cares? Like, w- as soon as uh, metal stops, like, when you get into politics, the metal stops and who they are as a person stops. It makes no difference. If they like Nevermore, fantastic. But if they decide to put my tax rates three times as high, give all my money to foreign investment companies so they can take all of our resources and sell it off to, thir- like, to their own corrupt governments, then who cares? Yeah. But yeah. it's progressive. And right now, we do have a feeling our metal media love their progressives. Yeah, they do. I mean, the first the article starts with the, uh, her or his having to classify this person. The, <laughs> the, the biggest, like, policy, biggest policy was about um, the Republican person, they bet, one, okay, if you're a male, you go male toilets. If you're female, you use female toilets. And this person, no, 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 use whatever toilet you want. And that was like the biggest selling point of the campaign. Like, really? That's wow. your biggest, that's your whole thing. It's like what toilet people can use. Yeah. Oh, geez, I thought like climate change was a problem. Apparently Oh, not, exactly. You know? Homelessness, suicide rates, uh, ali- parental alienation. They're just three things that come to my mind that in Australia we're dealing with right now. But the biggest problem right now is that someone who doesn't identify as a generic gender, um, wants a toilet that doesn't exist or maybe wants to use both of them or yeah. neither of them. You know, who knows? Um, who cares? But yeah. we wanted to cover it because we thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. So we're going <laughs> to just riffing on it. So I, know, I know you're into metal, but as soon as you're into politics, guess what? You become part of the problem that why metalheads exist is because we're the anti-establishment. Yeah. So having one of our own go in there doesn't matter because there's going to be a conservative uh, heavy metal writer that's going to give you shit. And they might even be right. So uh, enjoy the ride. Yeah, but you got to be careful because once you get into that field, it's a different beast. Like, look at yeah. Peter Garrett here. He was like, leads him midnight oil. Kicking like, ass. Full, like, environmental, save the trees, blah, blah, blah. He comes a politician and he's like, oh, yeah, that, that was just song lyrics and uh, I'm not really Yeah, he had to then decide how he's going to frame things because he knew he got people on his own team that didn't agree with his own thing, but they're against another nature of beast, which might even be worse than them or a part of the same tree. Uh, again, that's exactly right, Danny. So when people look like from bands like this is great, it's like, congratulations. Now, hopefully do what you say you were going to do uh, and uh, more to it. Yeah. Look, at least this person decides to like 
purposely fund heavy metal industry. That'd be awesome. Freaking sweet. Man, we need more he she's in government. <laughs> like, like He Man, yeah. Masters of the Agenda Universe. <laughs> <laughs> I have the belief of how I want. Uh, I have gender fluidity. Okay, and uh, let's leave it on a sour note because we must mention Chuck Mosley, former singer of Faith No More, dead at 57. And according to a statement issued by his family, the singer's death was due to the disease of addiction. Apparently, he was into substance abuse being in the band. He tried to get off of it, but uh, like many great artists, they have their very strong personal divas that have a grasp of uh, a stronghold of their, their well being and. Um, Having someone as talented as this guy, especially with the Faith No More uh, group coming out and just you know, acknowledging that as well, uh, it's a damn shame, Danny. Yeah, it really is. Um, Condolences to his family and friends, and like saying all those people just thank him for like giving us the music he did, and he will leave a lasting impact. Absolutely, got a lot of friends that are into Faith No More. Enjoy, put some of those albums on, really get into it, and really celebrate his life and dedication through the music. Because more importantly about a personal opinion you might have of the person as well. It's what the songs they give you and the good times that you have connecting with those songs. So enjoy, but uh, we need to talk big news. Let's go on to our podcast question this week. Download Festival. Your ears and eyes do not deceive you. It has been, I think, since 2014 or 15 since Soundwave has departed the shores of Australia. Soundwave Festival was known as the heavy metal slash punk slash rock festival, Danny, you could call it, of Australia. Oh, yeah, definitely right. Yeah, yeah. especially compared to everything else. It was, it was like our main focus when it came to like big events. It was our festival, really. I mean, we saw the departure of other ones before it. You know, we had the big day out, which went its way. We even had a couple of the dance festivals, which started to get the axe as well. And who would have thought that was going to even happen? That would have sucked, man. Like all those, like I, I invested in like billabongs and like thongs and like stupid like That's right. white and, and protein powder, and oh. it all now has to go away. However, re- listeners must be rejoicing right now. Their prayers have been answered, and we have a list to go through for Download Festival coming to us in March next year in Melbourne. Australia. Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah, so here's the um, lineup, which is Corn will be the headlining, so it looks like. The yeah, Prophets of Rage, which is, you know, pretty much uh, Tom Morello's side project. Uh, Limp Biscuit, Mastodon, Good Charlotte, NOFX, Suicidal Tendencies, Oh, Gojira, Gojira, Amon Math, Public Enemy, Falling in Reverse, Neck Deep, Sabaton, Hot Water Music, Of Mice and Men, uh, The Story So Far, North Lane, We've got Trophy Eyes, Nails, Matt. Nails. Issues, Bad Cop slash Bad Cop, Ocean Grove, Psychroptic, King Parrot, Clownch, Chase, Atlantic, Cursed Earth, and Alpha Wolf. You actually said Public Enemy. That's Arch Enemy, Danny. Maybe you wanted to talk about that, but that's okay. We're just talking Arch Enemy. Really, really? Yeah, it's actually Arch Enemy. You know what I didn't say? I didn't say Sabaton. Yeah, Sabaton. We reviewed those guys as well. Now, let's talk about our fans. They've actually given us their impressions of the show that's going to be coming to us next year. Danny, let us know what's going on. Yes, we had a great response. So, thank you, everybody, for getting back to us regarding this... um, Spirit the question is, are you happy with the lineup and would you make your way to Melbourne? Because, you know, Australia's a big place and not exactly. Melbourne. Some of us could be from Perth. Some of us could be from little old Adelaide. And we don't even go to shows here, let alone in other states. <laughs> so what do we have to say about that, my friends? Well, here we go. First off the bat is uh, Peter Mitchell, who is from Perth, man. So nice there. Oh, nice. Good yeah. stuff, man. Um, pretty bloody good. 
Just needs a headliner. A uh, band that played midday and couldn't pull a decent crowd out of backstage shouldn't be a headliner four years later. I guess Corn struggled, I guess he's alluding to. Uh, while doing nothing with their career in between, Prophets of Rage will have a bigger crowd. They stole Lincoln Park's limelight at Hellfest. Ooh, so there you go. Wow. Um, Damien Petru, uh, Petrelli, uh, nothing there for me personally. But then I realized that the organizers probably had to go with what they could afford. Yeah, yeah. and probably what could cause And, a, and what's crowd. safest, because they've got yeah. some massive names in other countries right now. You go to like download France or download Germany and... They got they, three days they got, of shit. Yeah, they got know. Aussie, man. They got Aussie. Like, yeah. Too, so, yeah. Um, Jamie Jackson. Uh, they lost me at Good Charlotte. The lineup is very lame. Uh, tame, sorry. I throw them some Machine Head or Lamb of God and some Dark Funeral for the Black Metal and some Morbid Angel or Obituary, maybe for the Death Metal and then it's heavy. Um, Adam Finaka. If only Gojira were doing their own show. Yeah, so we'll get, we'll get to that, the side shows. We here. might get to side shows in a sec, yep. Yep, Kaya Elliott. Uh, there's a handful of great bands, but their overall lineup is pretty weak uh, when you compare it to what they get overseas and even what they have when here in the past. Except Gojira. Uh, I see a few times, but can't justify a trip to Melbs. If they continue to only hold in Melbs, they would need a pretty impressive lineup to get me to make the way trip. Uh, Why don't they just effing bring Notfest out here and call it a day? Come on, Corey Taylor. You said you were Ghana and love heart smiley face, all that. Um, also, the lack of side shows sucks. Amy Carson, not really any bands there for me to get excited at all. Same as the bands I mentioned last week, Crossfaith, Lacuna Core, Epica. Yeah. Uh, but it'll also be good to see some of the really good Aussie bands. There's a couple of Aussie bands there. They so are. That's good, like North Lane and King Parrot. They sure uh, are. 12 Foot Ninja and Chaos Divide. Andre Van der Kuehr, uh, Macedon, Gojira, NOFX, mm. and. Suicide Tendencies. The last time I saw ST was in 99. And then last but not least is Daniel Söderblad, F Melbourne. I'm not travelling. I want to see Asis. Is that right? Who are they? A reform, uh, Dry Kill Logic, and Atom Ship, and Testament, because I missed them at Soundwave. Yeah. There's a couple of things out there. There is a mixed opinion, but I think there is a genuine understanding, generally, an understanding that this is the first one, and people... Like, if I was the promoter's ad as well, I would go with what's sold because you want to test the waters and see if the people really will go in and flock it. Now, um, there was a problem with the last sound wave through some of my friends and that saying how they just didn't like the lineup so they wouldn't go. But the problem with that line of thinking is like, you have to just support the event itself because the bands there, if they are there that you love, we treat it. And if they're not, that's cool. But that's why we didn't, that's why we lost sound waves. So many people were like, okay. But it should just be a thing that everyone should just go to. And just, you know, sometimes you won't get the bands you like, sometimes you won't. Because if you really want that festival vibe, support it. So, Danny, I will ask you right now on the top of your head, who are you looking forward to see? Asking the same question to yourself and some of those fan questions. Do you want to respond to any of that? Uh, I mean, bands I'd like to see. Uh, I'm on a Martha Sabaton because I can have put good uh, stage presence on. Yeah. Um, uh, I like Archie and just see Loomis because you're a massive Loomis fan. I'm a massive Loomis uh, fan. Yeah. And, and the rest, like, the, again, they're not, the, uh, I mean, maybe Mastodon, but the rest of the bands, again, they're not really bands are, oh, actually, wait, and Nails because I just want to see these guys live, like, how pissy they want to get. Like, I want to see, like, between songs if they actually talk to the crowd at all or they just keep, like, like nailing through it and then just, like, run, running off the stage. I just mm. want to see what they're like on, on live. Uh, yeah, again, look, you're right, it's not the strongest lineup, and probably not my like top bands, as I said last week. But at the same time, you're right. It's it's one of those things that you, you have to support it because it's starting up, and you need to put everybody needs to put the time and any energy and effort into it 
to go. Like, I understand financially it is a bit of money. It's a Formula One weekend, which means plane trips and accommodation is going to be expensive. Yeah. But same time, if you need something to succeed and grow, you all have to fertilize it. That's right. And, that's, and yeah. I will have to bounce back at all the fans out there. It's like, yeah, okay, our favorite bands weren't nominated to a degree, but I reckon this list is actually really decent. The, the headliner, as in like ridiculously over-the-top headline, didn't happen, which again, do you think maybe that's why Soundwave destroyed itself because they had to owe so much money to certain bands that they couldn't afford because the representation of the fans weren't going to come out there? Aside from Metallica, maybe Iron Maiden, they probably wouldn't got the return they wanted, you know? And paying those bands off isn't cheap. Like, you guys not only need to spend for the tickets, but you don't, there's other things as well. And other bands still didn't get paid. So maybe they mismanaged on that and whatever. But I'm going to talk about some of the metal bands there that I got announced. Because this thing isn't just a metal festival, right? This is a music festival. And it's a celebration of really like what Soundwave was and kind of the same kind of concept. It's about a rock metal band kind of thing. You know, where you got your distorted guitars you know, that kind of stuff, and you have your singers and that kind of thing. Yeah, it really does feel like a band environment. And the, the metal bands themselves, Mastodon are not slackers. And Skojira, I know Mastodon don't want to consider themselves metal, but for most of their albums, they are. It's maybe the departure in their latest album that kind of questioned them. But I think uh, bands like Gojira are massive bands. These things, these guys are juggernauts now, and having them appear in Australia down the card is no laughing matter. These guys are awesome. Amon and Mark, a great band to see live with Sabaton. We've reviewed that album. It's a strong album. It's a lot of fun. These guys write very strong melodies and stuff. And it's a branch away from every other genre of band that's there. I mean, they're more of a power metal band as well. Arch Enemy are the one of the biggest bands going on right now. They've marketed themselves so well. And whether you like it, like most people, or whether you don't like Super Metal Brother Matt does, is neither here or there because I'm definitely the minority on that one, right? Massive unit making heaps of headways. You know, you see their their albums like charting everywhere in the world. Uh, North Lane, and then we go into some of the, obviously the Australian ones. Before I do, we have to mention Nails because Nails' album was the, one of the best albums last year. They're a great band. If you want to see angry music, uh, maybe if you don't like the lineup, you should just go listen to Nails because it will make you feel better about your frustration. They're also supporting one third of the list is Australian metal, King Parrot, Psychroptic as well, Northlane. These bands are the top right now of Australian metal. King Parrot actually touring Adelaide, Danny. Yeah, I'm um, touring Australia wide. Give them credit, five shows in five days. Oh that's, my God. That's a feat. That's that's a feat. It. They actually put out a uh, thing for certain bands to get nominated, and there actually is a certain Adelaide band that got nominated for the show, Danny. Yeah, some, I think Super Metal Brother Matt is part of this um, Adelaide. <laughs> Ali Van Cleef. I don't even know how I haven't either. <laughs> Shame, shameless plug. Shame, as uh, I destruct as the band, so there you go. Yeah, but this is the thing. At the end of the day, for me, and there's a balance of other bands which I have no time for, but I really understand that people do, and I'm not going to shit on their wagon just because I don't certainly like the colour of it, you know. I think at the end of the day, bands like No Effects, Good Charlotte, I've seen Good Charlotte live and I can test they put on a show, uh, even if the singer does give me diabetes in the ears. Um, Prophets of Rage are massive and so we got Falling in Reverse and Nexty of Mice and Men are no slackers as well these guys are big tourers you know I really want to see uh, yeah I reckon this is a good strong lineup for a starting point I don't think this is ridiculous as a download France and download Germany but this has the potential to be and I think if Melbourne sells this out in days or, or seconds and I think due to like things like scalpers I think it pretty much will anyway yeah I mean they got a price for it, right? Because it is a day. There's only it's probably less bands than there was at Soundwave, and quite a few local bands. So yeah, it shouldn't be over. It shouldn't be over 150 dollars. No, no way. It shouldn't be. But at the end of the day, what we do have is a very strong lineup. 
you got your nostalgia there, you've got the bands that are the hottest right now, and you've also got the blend of some of the best upcoming acts right now in Australia coming through the ranks, or some of the seasoned veterans as well that deserve their place in the spotlight to be deserved to be playing in front of these massive crowds, which hopefully they will. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, if anyone in Melbourne has like spare accommodation and they're willing to shout to met a brother Matt oh. and Dan a spot, that'd be much appreciated. We, Absolutely. We, we'll fill your day with laughter and joy. We've reviewed a couple of these albums, so if you want to know what we think about Nails and Sabaton and Arch Enemy, go ahead and listen to some of our previous podcasts. These albums aren't bad albums at all, and Nails especially was right on top of it, but Sabaton are no slackers as well. They're not my cup of tea. They definitely can attribute that. It definitely will be someone's, if not their jug or their life. So, uh, I think, I think honestly, to start it off, I think it's Mucho Grande. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they've gone for the commercial route because commercial route will get a lot more people. So, especially like, I know Limp Bizkit, like, oh, it's new metal, it's not metal, but at least they're like, it's kind of like a reforming show and yeah. you'll get a lot of people like, wow, is it? so you'll get that yeah. numbers. You got to go, like like a lot of people have to attest, you got to go, it's going to work, you know, and, and a headline band right now, the thing is right now, because the, the, the ties have changed and due to the internet and the access of so many bands, it's so hard for labels now to put over their, their acts as the number one hit because everyone's doing that right now. So no one's really getting too excited of this new band and going out in numbers because the bands who established themselves through the 80s and 90s pre-internet have that stranglehold on it right now. So who else are you going to put as a headliner? Because everyone now has split this attention up. So this is the, the current predicament that uh, who's going to be that draw card. And I think right now they did the right thing. Go with something that's traditional, that's done a sound wave and is strong enough to... And but one you can afford. I mean, you can't be doing something stupid and getting like a Metallica or Iron Maiden if you know for a fact that you've got to be able to pay them for the next three to seven years. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about this being download, they, they're very strong internationally, so they can take slight hits. So if yeah. this thing is not that successful, they could take a little hit and hopefully think, I oh, know, we, we'll make it better next year. So, oh, look, but look, just, just go. Just right. go. Just go. Yeah, if I you're mean, in Melbourne, there's no excuse, yeah. but if you're in Adelaide, there is a slighter excuse because, yeah. you know, like... We all don't. We all might be in a metal band. That's, that's <laughs> that would love to be on a download festival one day. But apart from that, it's if you've got the money, you've got the time. There is nothing right better than you can do with your life right now than support the local metal scene. Good luck, download festival, and Godspeed. Yeah, and hopefully they do do some side shows because they're also great. Like, uh, do you think Arch Enemy would do like an, a somewhat Australian tour? Yeah, I don't think they've actually been to Australia for. <sighs> who cares? With Jeff Loomis, haven't been. So that's the most important thing. <laughs> all right guys so uh, let us know what you think about the download festival anyway head over to our facebook.com forward slash supermetal bro but from the meantime we've got an album to review so let's take a look at that butcher babies we're talking about the band featuring the very charismatic heidi shepherd and carla harvey two ladies that at one point were wearing nothing but their jocks and nipple tape literally it would be a cross on each one of their boobs they'll play this live and uh you know it'd be fun for everyone and then they decide one day maybe their brother or maybe a loved one in the family would come see their gig and they don't want to see their sister or did he love one or partner prostitute themselves in front of very horny men aged from 18 to 36 maybe even 86 so things change they look were there to change but danny what else can you tell us about the band that's happened well the lineup surprisingly hasn't changed much, so I'll, I'll give you credit for that. It could be to do with that nipple tape, and <laughs> they stopped doing the nipple tape, and then like, the drummer said, oh, fuck this shit, I'm going to get to another band. <laughs> so it's pretty much been this. Uh, yeah, so the current lineup is Heidi Carla, you have Henry Flurry, Jason Klein, and Chase Brickenden. 
And the ex-drummer was Chris Warner. He only left uh, 2016, which was the time when the nipple paint went away and they started dressing up, I believe. Fair enough. Um, that aside, Danny, this is a Los Angeles heavy metal band? Yeah, they're from... So they're like from the glam rock, like, capital of the world. So it's very surprised that these girls... Who do have, like... You could probably sing that stuff, decided to go down this path. Um, this is the third album. And the first album came in 2010, etc. And they're considered not glam rock or flat, but they're considered groove metal, thrash metal, and metalcore, according to the Wikipedia page. Uh, is that true, though, Wikipedia? Well, we shall find out in today's episode. This new album, Lilith, has come out, and it's come out to... I have no idea what reviews are, because here on the Super Metal Brothers show, we don't care. We want to know if we like it, because we are the most important in our lives. Is that correct, Super Metal Brother Matt? Yes, it is. Super Metal Brother Dan, what do you have to say about it? Yeah, because I don't like being told how to like <laughs> listen to stuff. If I want to put the right ear plug in my left ear and the left ear phone in my right ear, well, that's my prerogative. And that's All why right. we have a podcast right now. So, straight off the bat, we have a interesting little uh, chiming on the first track. It's a bit of like this kind of shaker that has a bit of rice in it. You know, we're getting ready to cook. Uh, so it starts cooking with a pretty good riff, right? And this thing goes off pretty well, Danny. It's a sugar kind of song. In this intro, it's got that really low tuning. Um, maybe that's going to be the new trademark of a sound. And uh, the song goes ahead at a pretty good pace. It's uh, pretty much a heavy hitter. Not much of a metalcore song, but a definite groove, metal, thrashy, upbeat kind of thing. You would have to thank the uh, Swedens for that inspiration for that track. Yeah, and you have like, that punchy chorus where you can kind of like sing along to as well, or just get really like Bobby and like jump up around like not not really moshing Bobby up and down but just like yeah this is pretty like rocking party yeah. Type vibe, yeah yeah you wouldn't have like mosh bits slamming into each other but you could definitely have some people jumping around the chorus is nice and engaging it's a good song to start it's got great energy and, it, and it's a showcase I think of what these girls and the guys can really do it's a good showcase of the guitarist's ability the new drummer who actually brings a little bit to the uh, to the table with the drum solo right at the end of this track which is a pretty cool, it's a good way to start. You should definitely check the track out going into the second track, which is Lilith. And it actually has a, um, a film clip to it. So this one came out with a film clip and it's quite uh, quite brooding, very dark. It's a great follow-up to the very heavy hitting song. It shows their depth straight away. Um, very depressing song, which I really liked. I think it shows the maturity of their songwriting and their approach to their uh, abilities, I think, Danny. Yeah, and definitely right. It starts with like an evil minor like intro and then they kind of, Repeats. Harmonic minor, Danny. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, it goes to the, the, the octave and then it goes down to that raised seventh. It's very evil. Right. Yeah. So is that the thing you put next to your mouth and blow? Is that what you mean? <laughs> no, it's not a penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a metal song. But it showcases also the girl's ability where they're growling. They, go, they jump out from these really interesting um, styles. It's like a growl and a scream and it goes really quickly in between it. It showcases a very high register of singing which must have been very challenging, but they brought it fairly well, showed quite effortlessly. And uh, again, like you said, Danny, it builds all the way up to that, that kind of chorus in the middle of the song, followed by the narco-synthesis riff, I like to call it, the It's not exactly the same, but like them will do it the best, so everyone else, as far as I'm concerned, copied them. Um, great song. Actually, yeah. a really good song. Yeah, it is. You can see why it's the title track, so it's very, um, yeah, bit of motion they do the cool things well where they have the double kick drumming over like clean vocals and that helps like create a bit of tension a bit of panic which goes i guess with the whole theme of the song yeah so that's done quite well and again it goes back to that evil like 
big chorus, which is yeah, it's it's it's, it's very it's very good. It seemed like they were setting this album up for a theme, and that was really cool. You get like a good sense that these guys are going to keep it really heavy. They got the drop tones in their guitars. This thing is not going to muck around. It's going to be inc- incredibly confronting, like the film clip is, um, and like the sound is. It's very heavy, very dark, very brooding. And then we get track three, Danny. We're talking about headspin, and way to derail this this um, on sort of a train. Uh, a pop song with a bit of black pepper, like you know, like people are like, no, this is a metal song with a lot of clean singing. Like, no, this is a pop song with a bit of ground, a bit of grunt, and it's one of those songs, those choruses. It's basically a song that's built around the chorus to get caught in your head, so you'll be singing it for days. And although it's catchy, you know what else is catchy, Danny? Gonorrhea. Yeah. Not many people want that either. No, exactly right. Yeah, this song is like if a 16-year-old girl formed the metal band and she wanted to write a song about <laughs> her, her first, her first like... Two dreams. 16-year-old girls, yeah. they were in their bathroom with their hair brushes, the hair drying their hair, and started singing some Christina Aguilera songs and then realized that they could put that to just order the guitars. Yeah, and it's just terrible. It's all about just like a chick getting really off and having like sex with a dude. And like, is that what I reckon it is? Because that's what it sounds like to me. But yeah. it might not be that because it's about a guy screaming her name. Because it might actually be like your, it might be in pain, but it doesn't feel like that. Like if you're gonna do that with those kind of vocals, this chorus does not give you that impression of foreboding nature. It really does sound like this is one for the girls out there, and it's like. For girls in their 30s now, it doesn't feel like it's authentic. It really feels like a label song. Yeah, and it kind of, that kind of starts to repeat throughout this like um, mm. album. Now, I mean, that song there, it could have been a radio song. You've just cut the last like 30 seconds out because they do like a little bit of like a heavy bridge section. Yeah, and they do but, the end of the chorus is a bit of a scream, but that's the thing. And straight away, you'll notice that it's so easy to remember everything off this album. I've only heard this album like two or three times, and I can almost count everything off of it. But... Wow, it really kind of jarred me out of the... I thought, okay, this album's going to be a storytelling. It's going to be great. And I hear track three and I'm like, okay. And I'm starting to... Re- this is where it starts to remind me that why I haven't gone into Butcher Babies before for similar reasons. But that's okay. We've got a lot more of the album to discuss with uh, Corona, Danny. Sounds like the beer. Apparently it's not. You reckon it's got something else deeper in tones to it? Yeah, yeah. It's something about a cow. I didn't really read the whole lyrics, but I was like, all right. It might be something like methodical thing something it's got some cool riffs in it though yeah. again it goes back to what track uh, one was trying to do with trying to bring some of those grooves straight up to the mix which is pretty cool um the chorus is a little bit sweet uh it has that very much like call to arms kind of thing like we can get together and we'll if we die we die together kind of thing but uh it didn't feel incredibly patriotic listening to it, it didn't feel like an anthem but it did feel like a nice kind of tone uh to contrast maybe against the rest of the album but again it doesn't it's really now taken out of this whole thing. And it's like, well, what is it? Is this album about like despair and tragedy? Or is it about fighting together? Like what happened? So I guess it really felt, it felt a bit jarring at the moment. But again, this song kind of saves it a bit from what happened in track three. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. Track three is, uh, but yeah, track at least they have a bit of a heavy riff at their times. And yeah, but, uh, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly right. But again, it's a good build-up, even that breakdown. Is a good, and this is one thing the guitarist should get a lot of credit for, is that he does the songwriting process quite well. So even when he repeats, he might use the, the pop formula, but he'll repeat the um, verse again second time, but he builds on it really well. He doesn't just repeat it like soil work might do or whatever. He actually then further increases it. So it's really like feeling like the frog in the water, and it's slowly kind of doing it up. Until we get into track number five with I Wake Up, hashtag I Wake Up Like This. And this song is a Frankenstein monster. 
it's just riffs, but it doesn't really do anything. It just yeah. goes off. It's crazy, and then it, and it finishes, and it's like, wow! All, again, you've got three or four tracks that have like even track three had some sort of build up, I guess. But the other three tracks had this nice, great flow, good good build up. But it's like let's just throw uh, the the paint on the wall and see what sticks, kind of thing. It's uh, it's kind of like it's some well, it's none of that through the paintball, so they use like a beat, uh, paintball gun. Yeah, that's right, paintball gun. All, and see if they can draw like an image, maybe or something. Or well, yeah, because it's. The whole song is like very like staccatoing and stuttering, riffing yeah. and singing. It's, it's it's almost like just like I don't know. It's very new, thrashy, new melody or something. I don't know how you classify. It. It's just a weird song. It's just yeah. It, there's no flows, no real melody. It's just like a did it did it did it did it like ah. Oh, it's like some typewriting. Type Looking for salvation right now. At least we find it in track number six. At least for me with the Huntsman, I really like what the girls do here. They return back to that very melancholy. It sounds like a distressed diva at the point of like of her breaking. And I would love to hear the kind of a concept around that maybe where. You know, these success and and then something turning bad in that. And it's a really... For me, I created a story out of this song just by hearing the whole entire thing. The way the girls beautifully contrast their vocal styles, have these very pretty, uh, pretty vocals, but also a dark tone to it without screaming that. They were using what they've got. And I really was impressed. And the guitarist said enough to give the girls a lot of space to really showcase their ability. And I'm really now. You can tell three out of the six tracks, and I don't know, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> you know, you, you know that this band has this maturity to write these kind of songs, but then they're just kneecapping themselves, like almost intentionally. Well, from here on out, like all the songs have the same structure. It's you know, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Yeah. I mean, they change it so some are heavy verses and like slower choruses or like slow verse and heavy chorus, but exact same song structure for like the rest of the album. Yeah, the track seven coming up, like you said, yeah. is pretty much a chorus song, a little bit like what track three is. The rest of the song exists only for the awesome riff in the yeah. chorus to hit home. So you imagine the crowd doing nothing for a minute and all of a sudden the chorus comes and everyone just goes yeah. off, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, this was cool, like when they go, when they transition from that like soft, sweet verse to the chorus and they'd be like down scream yeah and that's really cool and then the chorus and then the riffing is like a descending like chunky riff and that, that goes with it so you know, there look there is clever things in here but uh, like enough from, from now on it's just like the, oh, I guess the same same yeah you know? it's hard and they don't do themselves a favor as well with certain metaphors like swimming with the sharks on the controller uh, this this track man um, it's, it's just where I can start to hear those metaphors come through Oh, what, track eight, isn't it? Track eight is from the Sharks. That's Oceana. Oh, right. Sorry, my apologies. I've kind of written it all together. Wait, no, no, you're right. I'm sorry. No, it's track seven. I'm sorry. You're yeah, great. thank yeah. you. Thanks, sorry. All right. So it's just kind of here now where it kind of gets a little bit derailed for me because the song, again, writing kind of does well. Again, the guy showcases how he can break up the verses to, to, to represent a bigger sound to kind of boil it up. Uh, the girls kind of take it away from it, though, a little bit. I don't like that metaphor. And when I sing it live to friends, they're like, Dude, that's really shitty. <laughs> they hear me singing that, and I'm like, oh, I don't mean to. But the girls do well to make it catchy. Everything they do is very memorable, even if it's not great <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, I mean. you know, it's very interesting. It's a very they, they, they got a natural tone. These guys have a natural tone for the radio for for getting in people's imagination. But um, yeah, it didn't quite work for me. Nah, terrible. Especially like when they keep saying repeat, 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 and they thought like because they were repeating uh, "Swim with the Sharks." You have to change like your phrase, your delivery, otherwise it gets repetitive. But it came to a point, it sounded like they were asking questions, like swimming with the sharks, yeah. swimming with the sharks, yeah. swimming with the sharks, yeah. swimming with the sharks. Yeah. yeah. The same thing, like the chorus is great, and like building up to the chorus is, is all about just for the chorus. Yeah. So it's like ah, oh, yeah, and then, you know. 
Then we got obviously the uh, Evermore track of the record. We're talking about uh, the Butcher Babies, the high school musical right now with track nine. Again, it's an unapologetic pop song, but it's not as interesting as something like track six, for example. There's so much emotion in that. This one has the minor key. It has all the tailings for it, but it's just not that interesting. It's a very familiar song in that tone. And when you've heard them do such creative things like in other tracks, it's a bit of... Uh, kind of maybe a filler or maybe it's in there just to break up the the tones a bit because this is what the guys do do well it's like they'll break it up and they'll do a lot of different styles and stuff like that but then they'll kind of chop themselves off in the foot by just making it almost like a lot of these songs and riffs are from really good bands that are going on right now almost so the influences they wear very proudly on their sleeve but it doesn't make for a very coercive album so far Danny. oh exactly right i mean they, they started very strongly and then there's nothing in they they kind, of, they kind of started a bit, yeah. then they stood up again, and now it's almost as bad, because we're looking into now, I think, Ponema, I think it is, yeah, with track 10. Yeah, it's just like a... And this uh, is where crude. the juvenileness of the band, the silliness of the band comes, to much of the detriment of the album. The, the lyrics, the FFFSSS, system of a down kind of feel with that Pantera riff, like a very cool, like old school kind of thrash throwback. It's basically like the song feels like these girls were drunk and they lost their keys at a party and a lot of other bad stuff happened to them like the girlfriend vomited on their dress or whatever. I don't care because it was literally at this point, I'm like, okay, they're not taking this album seriously anymore and why the hell should I kind of thing, you know? it's um, At this point, I've realized that this album now is about doing whatever the hell they want and they're going to F anyone else who says any different, which is fine, but I think this is why I don't listen to Butcher Babies and maybe why the critics... Might agree with me, maybe? I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe they're trying to like tap into that Los Angeles sound of like the party atmosphere and all that in their song. So they're trying to make like a heavy version of like Motley Crue, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, especially with the angle. next track, with the last track being a very much a, uh, what was it Radio Love song? Is it, Danny, you called it? Of the Underground and Overrated? Yeah. It's a rock and roll song for most of it. Yeah. It's so, got the shuffle, you know, it's got the whole thing. It's got, it's got the, driving uh, on the wheel and driving on the wheel. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, Radio Love is like pretty much the intro verse. It's a shuffle, you know, and it's different. It hasn't been heard on the album. It's definitely got a new place and it shows these guys creativity. But by now, unfortunately, I was kind of uh, done because I was just like, I, I, what are you guys, like? I'm not sure. I was like, it's just different stuff. It's like, we're, gonna, we're just throwing it all against the wall. A little bit how like Brandon Boyd writes the for Incubus, where it all kind of like gets thrown together. And when it sticks, it's great. It's artistic. It's memorable. It's original. But when it sort of kind of flows on the floor and lands into your, you know, your kitty, your cat's kitty litter with all its shit and puke and mustard and all that kind of stuff and all the drunken vomit that you've put in there, it's... Yeah, it's just a bit weird, I guess, this, and towards the end of the album. So, Danny, yeah, we've just gone up to the whole until 11 tracks, and uh, overall, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's, it's unfortunate because you're right, there are some moments of, like, very, very good riffing, very, very good, good, like, transitions in the songs, and, like, good energy of the singing and nice phrasing and stuff yes. at times, and even some of the melodies are good, but it's just, it's not consistent enough, and the songs, like, five of those songs have the same song structure, which... Unfortunately, means they kind of sound the same after a while. Yeah. So this is the thing about the band. You've got the girls who can sing brilliantly and, and flawlessly with some amazing structures and using their incredible diverse tones, but then sometimes singing about things that aren't very interesting, very hammy metaphors and very juvenile, unimpressive uh, subject matters, which take away from some of the things they try to do. The guitarists, again, brutal groups, some amazing stuff like that, but uh, sometimes just over... Uh, 
putting in a certain riffage that really pushes the band away from that kind of structure, like the meaning of it all. The new drummer's obviously fine. He's doing his greatest, his best he can, I guess, with even the drum solos and stuff like that. Needs a bit of a time, I think, to work with the band as well. So it just feels like for when one hand's outstretched, the other hand is scratching its ass and then it's trying to swap. And you're like, oh, I don't want to touch that hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess more importantly, it doesn't feel like a focused album, but it feels like for them, they had a lot of fun with it because they got to do whatever they wanted, however they wanted, and present that to the fans in that case. And to be honest, it really feels like a party which I never got to go to as a kid. Like, you know, there's really attractive people and they're very popular people at school have a party and it's all like rah 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 and you want to be a part of it because they're very attractive yeah, and you want to yeah. you want to bang the cheerleader right but then you end up going to the party and you finally get in there and you're like oh and you stay for a while and you're right the more you stay there the more you like start to see its blemishes and the more you look at this lovely girl's face you really start to talk to her and find out about her personality and like oh she's kind of like a seven-year-old yeah you know but she's got the body of a 19 year old smoking hot body yeah still probably want to Lashes to those riffs, but um, and lifts off it like a one year old because they're brand yeah. new. <laughs> and again, like some of those riffs are really inspired by some great bands as well. Like you get your Meshuggah influences, your Pantera stuff, you know, uh, even some of those rock and roll and uh, some. But again, some of those pop things just take away from some of that real brooding nature. When I saw that film clip, I was really in the impression that this album is going to be a dark, foreboding, and confronting almost. But then when you hear the rest of the album, you're like, I was almost disappointed because this thing's set up for me to fail. But maybe I was reading too much into it. Yeah, maybe I that's my problem going into a Butcher Baby's record. Maybe that's right. Maybe you think it's going to be like Godfather Two, and then you see Godfather mm. Three, and you're like, nah, well, I'm to like the Godfather Two part, and maybe that's it. But maybe that's I don't. Know, I mean, you like very technical songwriting at times, and maybe this is what they do well. Maybe people don't want overly complicated songs. Yeah, maybe this maybe. is the party that I was never supposed to come to or never be invited to, which is fine. And I think that's the thing. If you're a Butcher Baby's fan, and this is like. This is an album you have to get because for me, what I've heard about JVs before, this is more of it, but brought to the next scale, especially with the incorporation of heavier tones and grooves, you know, it's going to be even more of that stuff you like, but now even deeper and also lighter almost. There are some tones in it. Um, But yeah, like you're saying, for me, it was just some things that took me right out of the experience. And um, for a band which I had such high hopes for after hearing certain songs off the album and, and to be... To pay $16.99 for this record when I paid far less for records that I've more enjoyed, it felt a little, felt a little hurt, Danny. Yeah. This album is like, like a Nails. Nails just gets all their best riffs and that's it. That's why their songs only give like 55 seconds. Mm. Maybe like Butcher Babies have to release this as a Nails like tribute. So like they only grab the best riffs out of every song and that's their album. And yeah. it'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. It's like being at, it's like going to Disneyland and working at Disneyland, you know? Like when you go to Disneyland and visit it once, you have a lot of fun. Like with this album, listening to it once the way through, I had a bit of fun with it, you know? It was a bit of fun. Some minor blemishes, like, you know, you get to see the cardboard on the side of the buildings and realize that, oh, I'm not actually in Disneyland. I'm in some sort of like fabricated like cartoon. But then you see Batman and you're like, oh my God, Batman's here and you're back into the... Actually, you know, Batman, Disneyland, that is awesome. Yeah, but the more you visit Disneyland, the more you start to see its wrinkles, its age, and, and, and really sometimes it might even lose some of that magic for you. And I think for this album, the more I've listened to it, the more those blemishes for me really stood out and it took me further and further away from the album. And I think really because I had to spend that kind of money for the album, that really didn't feel like it for me. It just hurt a little bit, but... I know this band is capable of it too. Like this next album, man, just to see them focus their songwriting and really have a cohesive and an enjoyable experience the whole way through in that, whatever story they want to tell. If they want to tell a pop story, like a pop record, do a pop record in that. But um, it didn't feel like an album. It felt like some tracks that they threw together, like a demo or something. It, uh, 
it didn't feel right for me. There was like, for everything they did right, there was some things wrong that just stood out and I just couldn't, couldn't come to terms with. Yeah, no, fair enough, man. Well, in the words of Butch Babes, and this is quite hard because a lot of the lyrics were quite... <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not reading that. I'm not reading that. Uh, no, I'm not reading that. Okay, so I found something which I thought I could read. So here it is. Oh, I can see what you see. It's all in front of me. I can only feel what you feel. It's deep inside of me. Yes, yes. Very, very profound, I'm guessing. Well, that's the end of our show. Thank you very much, Carla Harvey or Heidi Shepard, for that little uh, bit of trivia. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you guys go to Soundwave. Uh, in part two next year, I guess it is called Download, but it does feel a little like a sound wave. Hopefully, it does really, really well. Yeah, indeed. I'll, I'm pretty confident I'll be there at least. I don't know about you, Matt. But I'll uh, we're going to see, man. I'd love to play it one day. So if you guys know someone that can give us a demo CD there, let me know. But until then, I am Super Metal Brother, Matt. And I've been Super Metal Brother, Dan. We have been Super Metal Brothers. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next week.